Hey, Moneymakers, I'm Kalila Reynolds, and welcome to another live edition of Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. And remember, of course, to head over to my website at kalilareynolds.com once this live has ended to get my newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week. And of course, hit that like button, guys. Let me see the likes go up. Let me see the likes go up. And if you haven't subscribed just yet, please subscribe to this channel. Now, let me know in the comments below where is everyone joining us from i like to know where my viewers are this evening what part of jamaica what part of the world are you joining us from now here's a look at what's coming up in tonight's show followed by what's hot in business and come on say it with me let's get this money <laughs> Looking to buy property or trying to get into real estate investing? A new website is making it much easier by putting everything in one place, finding the home, comparing lending rates, getting a realtor and more. Managing Director of Link to Lenders and the Real Estate Hub, Jason Deere, will tell us more. And the analysts win on the latest market developments. Palace Amusement's year-end results are out. How did they perform? Separate is planning an IPO for its new acquisition, A.S. Brydens, in both Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago. And internationally, what implications will the oil price war between the U.S. and OPEC have on America and the Caribbean? We'll discuss. But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. Thousands of corporate files from one of Jamaica's largest distributors were leaked to the public over the weekend. Massey Distribution confirmed to the Jamaica Gleaner on Saturday that they were victims of a ransomware hack. Ransomware attacks occur when hacksters steal a company's data and demand ransom to return it. Hackers can also threaten to publicly release sensitive information if their ransom demands are not met. The company told the Gleaner that the hack was discovered two weeks ago and was resolved. However, on Sunday, cybersecurity professionals on social media discovered that thousands of files dating back 10 years were released to the public. These files included custom information, staff, salary information, and budget worksheets, among others. This is the second cyber attack to hit a member of the Trinidad-based Massey Group this year. In April, Massey stores in Trinidad and Tobago were forced to shut following a data breach. Spurtree Spices is making good in its promise to expand their manufacturing and exports. The company recently acquired a 51% stake in Canco Limited, manufacturers of the Linstead Market Jamaica brand. Linstead Market Jamaica is most popular for its canned Aki and Callaloo. It's one of only 10 companies approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to sell Aki in the U.S. This latest acquisition will see Spurtree Spices gain controlling interest in two of those 10 companies. Spurtree acquired exotic products last year. Microlending company Dollar Financial Services has upsized its bond to $1.5 billion. The company was initially seeking $1 billion on the bond market, but said that due to oversubscription and interest by institutional investors, it will be upsizing the bond. The new closing date for the bond raise has been extended to October 18. Americans are bracing for yet another shortage. This time, it's butter. The dairy industry has been hit by extreme labor shortages, slowing down dairy production. This has led to the lowest supply of butter since 2017. Analysts say the dwindling supply has resulted in a surge in butter prices right before the holiday baking season. 
The price of butter in the U.S. was up almost 25% year-over-year in August, which the New York Post attributes to the rising costs of feed, energy, and dairy animals. Additionally, the latest TikTok butter board trend has also driven up demand for butter, which is affecting the already meager supply. What's Heart was brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's shout out our viewers in the comments, starting with Rodcliffe joining us from Portmore. Antoinette is there in Arizona, ready and waiting. Demar says, ready and waiting. Let's get this money. Kishaw is joining us live from London. And he says, get the keys. I know the feeling of being a homeowner and receiving your keys for the very first time. Big up yourself, Kish. Debbie Cool joining us from New York. She says, it's money time. Lavar, as usual, checking in from Mandeville and encouraging you to drop a like on the video. Yes, a second that. Uh, drop a like on the video, guys. Let people know that you like it. Chantel joining from Kingston. She says, can't wait to hear this secret because I definitely need to get this money and get a home too. I know a lot of you are feeling that way. Spartan Kings, Ocho Rios Active. Trinidad and uh, Russell joining us from Trinidad and Tobago. Cabri Semiad. <laughs> no place like home, right? No better place to join us from. And shout out to Chris joining us from Panama City in Panama. So as you would have seen in the introduction, if you're looking to buy property or trying to get into real estate investing, this show is for you. There's a new website that's making it much easier by putting everything in one place, from finding the home to comparing the lending rates, getting a lender, getting a realtor, getting an attorney, and a whole lot more. Managing Director of Link to Lenders and the Real Estate Hub, Jason Deere, joins us now to tell us more. Hi, Jason. Hi, Kalila. How are you? I am good. How are you? You've been busy, 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 huh? Yes, I have, and I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, on such short notice at that. Yes. <laughs> well, when you sent me that message on Instagram, you slid in the DMs, which is cool because I thought it was a really great idea. I immediately hopped over to your websites to check them out to see what it's all about. I'm like, this is awesome. But before you tell us all about your two websites, including the one that's brand new, let's just set the stage and talk about real estate investing on a whole, because a lot of people want to jump into real estate investing, but they feel like it's extremely hard because they've been trying to buy their own home and that's hard. So real estate investing must be hard too. So how easy or difficult is it to get into real estate investing? Well, the, the truth is, well, first of all, let me disclose to everybody. I am not a realtor. Let's just be clear on that one. Um, I'm not licensed to sell real estate. So I just want to be very clear on that. Um, our angle is from the financing and the other areas of real estate investing. Um, the truth is, is that real estate investing in Jamaica is not a very difficult process. Um, sometimes the, the banking aspect of it in terms of getting the financing, the right financing, um, getting the right service is really where we saw the need in Jamaica. You know, it's really where the gap is. But there are a lot of great opportunities um, for young people, um, people in the diaspora to invest in real estate in Jamaica. Um, and I know we tend to think that prices are high and stuff. But if you look at real estate prices in Jamaica on a global scale, 
um, it is still not bad. Um, and if you also take into consideration maybe where interest rates were 10, 20 years ago, um, you know, it's still in the high single digit rate. So I think it's it's a great time. It's still an opportunity for persons to, to jump in and, and, and buy. Even time. though those interest rates are now trending back up? Yes. Yes. So funny enough, because we have quite a bit of data from previous years, um, we know that, and I don't want to speak specifically to a time frame, but even though interest rates have started to move back, back up slightly, and I think will move a couple more basis points based on the information we're getting out of BOJ. Um, I've seen where in the last 10 years, a number of, of not our clients, but other clients, other investors are still paying um, double digit interest rates on mortgages um, up to this very day. You know, so it is still at the lower end of the spectrum um, compared to where we're coming from, you know, a few years ago. But what about the, all right, let's talk about some of the benefits because it, like I said, it does seem kind of difficult because you need to have some money upfront or at least access to money upfront. But what are the returns from investing in real estate? Well, again, it, it, that's a very generic question. It, 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 it is, I mean, it's, it, it depends on the market that you've invested in. Um, right. You know, it depends on many factors, depending on the, the global macroeconomic conditions. Um, I don't have a set rate in terms of what real estate has appreciated over the last um, few years necessarily, but we we have seen a significant um, trend upward um, in terms of well prices at least and values for homes um, in in certain um, in certain instances. Um, but generally speaking, you know what I like to to focus on is I know. You know, as young people, you know, we tend to like to think about real estate or investing generally as something short, quick, so I can make money quickly. And as a former stockbroker, um, I'd also like to share that, you know, any kind of investing that you do has to be taken at, at a long term um, view. In other words, I always use the, 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 the analogy that you don't see a billionaire buying and selling his shares every single day, speculating on how well a company is doing. Typically, people who are successful over the long term in any kind of investing invest um, and tend to hold once they think they're in, in a good asset class. And, and real estate has proven itself over the last 100 years to be a good um, asset class, so to speak. Interesting that you're a former stockbroker. I didn't know that. Now that I know, I can ask you this question. Which one is better, stocks or real estate? <laughs> That's a, you're putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> the, the truth is both has both has the, its pros and cons. Um, obviously, the, the stock market is a lot more liquid in terms of you are able to liquidate your shares and get cash back from selling shares in, in a day or two, while the process of selling real estate um, does take a little bit longer. Um, if you're going to if you're going to um, actualize any kind of profit from it, um, both have the benefit in terms of you can use it as collateral for a loan. So many people don't realize, and, and it's not done in Jamaica. You can use your home or, or a family's home and use the existing equity, which means um, any value that you have in the house over the years, 
and the bank or any kind of lender will will accept the uh, accept the property as as collateral for a loan which will then enable you to go and invest in another property and we're actually doing it for a number of our clients right now um the same can be said for stocks um banks any kind of lender um will lend against those investments so um it's it's kind of hard for me to say you know specifically which one is better um but i think over the long run both of them are very good um investments, investments um you know um tools to use so to speak and i actually personally invest in both so i would recommend that everybody does does the same um you know it's it's kind of just you know kind of diversifying a little bit um but but you know that that's it's, it's a good place to start um sorry not to prolong the, the, the comment but um investing in equities is a little bit easier to get into which i mm -hmm. think you were alluding to a little earlier right when, when buying real estate you tend to have you tend to need to have more equity or more capital up front to, to to invest in a property um while with the stock well sorry with the stock market or investing in stocks you can start with as little as um 25 even less than that even 500 jmd you can open the account at some some brokerage firms and that that point that you made about the equity in your home I, it's funny you bring that up because i was just talking about this on my instagram uh, either earlier this week or or last week so let me just explain what that is for those who are kind of confused and be like oh what, what, what's jason saying the more you pay down on your home on your mortgage the more of the home you own so even though you might not have paid off the, the mortgage in full and you don't fully own the home outright yet, you have equity in the home. And that's the percentage of the home that you own. So let's say you're supposed to pay on this mortgage for 20 years and you've been making payments on this mortgage for 10 years, you have 50% equity in the home. You've paid off 50%. That means you own 50% that is your equity and you can take out a loan based on that equity you now own something you don't own the whole home the entire home outright just yet but you have equity and that gives you an opportunity to use that equity as collateral for a loan to purchase another property or to get into something else entirely so that's one of the great uh, benefits of real estate investing but what are some of the pitfalls jason from your experience um in, in you're talking about both now or are you talking no, about real, real estate? estate specifically um you know some of the pitfalls to be honest with you don't surround or have to do directly with investing in the real estate themselves what we what we have encouraged jamaicans to do wherever in the world we are when you're buying real estate is you have to take stock of the physical property um, so, for example, uh, you know, some things that people are not aware of at all, like when you're getting a mortgage, is you'd need to do like a land surveyor's report. You need to do a valuation, uh, something that we don't do in Jamaica. I don't think we do it at all. It's something that the real estate hub we are, we are looking to launch is pre-home buying inspection um, because you tend to find people buying not only secondhand homes, but even brand new developments and have a lot of issues. So one of the pitfalls is that if you don't do your due diligence beforehand, and that's where we come in, we can help you with finding a realtor or an architect to help you go through a property first, is you may go ahead and buy somewhere and it has issues, and then it's going to now cost you in on the back end to, to have to find money out of your pocket to then fix that issue. 
So the truth is, is that I think that is really where the pitfalls are. Um, and as you know, uh, uh, unlike investing in stocks, for example, um, investing in real estate um, can cost you quite a bit if you have not done proper inspections before buying the house. So that, that to me would jump out as the main, main pitfall. Um, but as I said before, I think over the long term, you will still fare out well. You know, speaking of that, with the inspection and all of that, this brings us to the situation in Bernard Lodge that's been all over the news for the past week. So let's play that clip. So people, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with what happened, let's, let's find out what happened there in Bernard Lodge. My hairdresser introduced me to the man. And me get the risk. Then me give them me, me, me TRN and me ID. And, and they turn up a receipt, give me. They send up the receipt, give me. Nobody no give me no look of one, no look of nothing. Nothing no give me. No, I thought I was a person and so I thought I was a person and so I thought I was a person. I was a person and I was a person. I was a person and I was a person and I was a person. I was a person and I was a person. So I don't know what to do. So that's the young lady. I'm not sure where that clip was from. I think it was from TVJ. I didn't see any logos on it, but I think it was a TVJ clip. She said that she had paid $800,000 for a piece of land and the land actually didn't belong to the person from whom she purchased the land. Mm -hmm. And now the property is being demolished along with some other properties there who these people had allegedly bought this, this property from gangsters who captured the land and then sold it. And so it's been all over the news for the past week. And, you know, everybody's been talking about it. And what lessons are, are learned here? What did she do wrong, Jason? Mm -hmm. Funny you mentioned that. I was just having that conversation um, this morning. Now, the truth is that I don't really want to comment on the whole situation because I'm not um, right. very well versed on what was really happening behind the scenes and and so on. And, and you know, it's a two-sided, three sides to every story. So, um, so that kind of ties in, that video kind of ties in to what we're talking about, obviously on a greater level than um, just looking at any um, uh, structural pitfalls. But folks, we have, we have to keep driving home to people. Um, you have to ensure that you get first and foremost, and, and, and I'm not an attorney, but you have to get proper legal representation whenever mm -hmm. you're handing over money um, to someone for a property. Um, most of us, um, even, even, even university educated PhD uh, doctors, for example, can, can be fooled by people and, and, you know, there, there are gaps that you may not pick up on. Um, so it is important that you do hire the right professionals to make sure that you have everything in place. Um, that poor young lady, I don't know if she got any kind of, I mean, obviously she didn't get any kind of receipt or any kind of sale agreement, but, you know, a transaction cannot be done or, or a title cannot be handed over to you unless, you know, all of those checks and balances have been, have been completed. So, I, you know, I encourage people, you know, get yourself an attorney, get yourself a realtor. I know, I know these people cost, but at the, at the end of the day, you, you are, you are, you are covering yourself um, and not being left out in the cold like that poor young lady there um, in the clip. Yeah, very, very unfortunate situation, but it's the perfect segue into what you do and the service that you provide now. So tell us what 
uh, real estate hub does? What's the service that you offer? And we're going to come to link to lenders as well. But I think real estate hub more directly relates to what just happened here. Right. All right. Let, let me, I, I'm sorry to, to, to sway away from how you wanted to do it. But let me just throw in link to lenders just quickly since it's the, sh the shorter version. So basically how the company started in 2019 was Linked Lenders is a fintech, a financial technology company, and, and, and Linked Lenders is a parent company. And, and Linked Lenders basically enables Jamaican consumers, wherever in the world we are, to do one online application, and I'm speaking to the members of your diaspora as well, to do one online application. And what happens is internally within my organization, we do what is known as the Know Your Customer, the Due Diligence, um, and all that work on, on the bank's behalf. And we submit um, your application through our platform. And the benefit is that it doesn't just go to one bank or one lender. So for example, if you were to walk into one bank, uh, you would hope and pray that you would qualify for a mortgage from that one bank. Um, and even if you do qualify from that one lender, I won't say bank, um, are you being assured that you are getting the best rates and terms? So what the LinkedIn Lenders platform and our team will enable you to do is to submit the one application, but it goes to multiple lenders, banks, credit unions across Jamaica, and they then bid on your application for you as the consumer to then pick the best option for you without actually physically having to go into a lending institution. Um, um, our services to clients are absolutely free because we work with the banks and the various um, stakeholders. Um, so that is the, the, the first step. Um, and that's how we started in, in 2019 with Linked Lenders. Um, I, I'll just so you take... get paid. So you get paid through the lenders end. Yes, correct. Correct. Uh, so by you terms. bringing, so basically by you bringing clients to them, you earn, a, right. I guess, a commission to bring the clients to them. Right. And so, uh, for which the... makes it free for us. Right. And for the bank too, it, it is really taking away a lot of the burden for them in branch um, on the front lines. You think about how many people go into a bank on a daily basis. We are helping to augment, not to change their business necessarily, but to augment their services to make it more streamlined. Um, and that's one, so that's one benefit to the bank themselves. The other thing that I want to share with your lenders, uh, sorry, your listeners before I get into the real estate hub segment is we also, as you mentioned about having equity or some capital upfront to invest in real estate. One of the beautiful things that we've been able to do at LinkedIn Lenders um, is we've been able to, I use the term mix and match or pair lenders together to help a client. So take, for example, we have two clients right now. They're, they're actually brothers um, who have qualified for a nice house, qualified for a nice mortgage, sorry. And one of the things is that they did not have enough money saved for their, what they call the closing costs, um, legal fees, and so on and so forth. But because we've already processed their application internally, and have gotten them pre-approved for a mortgage, we were now able to take their same application and then send it to another lender, a, a smaller lender, near lender, another bank, for example. And we'll say to that other lender, hey, um, Jason and Khalil, I was using this as the example, have qualified for this mortgage, but Jason and Khalil need some help with their down payment or with their closing costs. Are you willing to facilitate an additional loan? And we will you know, share with them that um, they, they, you know, their credit is good, so on and so forth. And many times we've been able to help facilitate both ends of the transaction for the client. Now, I'm not encouraging you to not have any capital to put down to buy a house, 
but just to share with you that we can help you to fill any gaps in terms of you know the first step to 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 buying a home so to speak howard says me like this it's yeah, very yeah. convenient i have quite a few people asking if you are a brokerage firm essentially yes yes so so in essence uh, at our core we are a broker we are we are licensed by each of the and authorized by each of the well the banking and lending partners who we work with in jamaica um so we have authority to act on their behalf so basically you know i think it's how that you said is right um it's just that we're using technology on our platform to streamline the process to make it simpler and just to kind of share with you a little a little segue point we have had clients from overseas actually i would tell you right now it's about um 60 40 40 percent of our clients are actually um not jamaican residents or jamaicans living abroad and we have um and i get goosebumps talking about this and you know we've had clients um one lady and her son they live in the netherlands um the son isn't jamaican the mom is and we not only helped her to get the mortgage she opened the bank account um through us because the bank facilitated through us we were able to put them onto a property a realtor sorry to find the property and i want to tell you kalila the first time she came back to jamaica was actually to get the keys in her hand because we were able to simplify the process for her online um using the technology that we have put together and, it, and it's basic stuff right it's not rocket science so um that's one of the things that we've started and and that was really the start to, to what we're doing today that's amazing so you actually don't have to fly come to jamaica to do all of this you you eliminate all of that work right correct so this brings us now to the real estate hub so clearly you started the work in 2019 with link to lenders but there were still some gaps in the market that led to the development of real estate hubs so tell us all about that right right yeah exactly so what we found happening is that when we were talking to clients now about getting the mortgage we slowly started to realize that the mortgage is only one very small subset of the entire transaction process and we were actually starting to lose business because we would get somebody pre-approved or approved for a mortgage for say let's throw out a number 15 million dollars but then the person the person or persons were not able to actually um, find a property within that price range or somewhere that they liked in terms of location and we realized that we started to work with realtors the brokerages attorneys just generally you know you're putting together and I encourage persons who are entrepreneurs to, to utilize um their, their connections you know you may have a friend that was in school with you who is an attorney who is now an established lawyer reach out to them you know bring them onto your team you know get advice from them how they can work together so basically what the real estate hub now has become and, and linked to lenders that part of it is basically a comprehensive ecosystem now that acts as a one-stop shop not just for buyers looking for mortgage but also sellers of property um persons looking for the mortgage as you know but most importantly and i want to stress is that we are now a gateway for industry professionals now to better connect with these clients who may not have had the first inclination of where to go or what to do and, and these professionals we, we talk about are like realtors attorneys land surveyors valuators architects and that type of thing so what we found happening is that once we got the person pre-approved for a mortgage 
you know, we said, well, at that point, say last year, we were saying, but then we can't help the person find a property, but then it stops our business. But then we realized that if we brought the realtors onto our platform as well to be able to showcase their properties, but also link to these approved buyers or pre-approved buyers, that it would help streamline the entire process. You know, so that's basically what everything has morphed into. And one of the other benefits to in terms of when you're buying a house, you know, you have to have a valuation or a land surveyor or an attorney, for example, or not, not have to, well, you should. Um, but what we found happening is that even persons, we, well, forget about people who did not have any of those professionals, professionals working with, um, even persons who used somebody that they know, just like with mortgages, you know, how do you know that the, the, the rate you're getting is the better rate or is the best rate or is the best service? So what has happened is now we've now connected multiple valuators, multiple land surveyors, attorneys um, to these clients. And what we do is we go and get quotes on the client's behalf and then pitch it to the client and then the client then chooses who they want to go with. Um, so we're literally, as I said with the example before, is really... Um, simplifying the entire process for for clients uh, generally speaking it makes sense because when when you first mentioned real estate hub to me i was like but there's so many other websites that do this because other websites are out there that offer that you can go on and you can search for property in jamaica and you link the buyers with the sellers there are other websites that do that but as right. i scrolled down on the website no I was like, oh, you can get a lawyer here too. You can get a valuator here too. You can get um, a realtor here too, all in one place. Right. I understood the concept of the hub. So you right. get everything here. And you also get uh, the lender. So you also right. have the link to the lender as well. So Correct. everything truly is in one place. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, you may, you may be speaking to a specific realtor, for example, and that person may not have any inventory within the price point or the location that you want, while another one will. So what our platform is, we're trying to facilitate um, even realtors to, 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 you know, to, to speed up their sale process then for, for themselves as well. As if you go on our website, it's realestatehubja.com. You will see, I think we have, and don't quote me on the figure, I think we have about 80, and I use the term very specifically, affiliated realtors that we work with as i mentioned earlier i'm not a we're not a brokerage house um, and we do not sell real estate ourselves um, but we said we need to be able to help facilitate realtors in terms of finding buyers for their properties um, which is basically a lead generation platform and that's what we're doing for them and also helping the clients to find the property that fits within their budget um, if, if you're if your listeners go on to real estate oh, sorry go on to our link to lenders website um, if you just decide to apply for the mortgage alone, and I'm hoping the function is still is still fully working because it worked up the last week, is once the client goes on and does what is known as a preliminary estimate, in other words, so we have a calculator, an affordability calculator on the link to lenders website. You go in, you plug in just generically what your salary is, how old you are, the term of the loan, and then once you click submit, the application comes to us internally at link to lenders but it then redirects the client to the real estate hub website, uh, which basically then shows you properties within that pre-approval bracket um, for, for the client. So it's, it's really trying to streamline the whole um, process for, for, for consumers and, and for the rest of the industry players. 
Mm, let's take some questions from the audience. And I see quite a few coming in. So let me see what we have here from our audience, starting with one from uh, Lushand, who asked earlier, what advice do you have for young people who want to get into physical real estate? Um, well, I mean, in terms of advice, I would say to you, go for it. Um, what a lot of people don't know is, is that you can buy real estate, not on your own, but you can do it jointly with family members. You can actually do it with, um, and when I say family members, it could be a cousin, it could be a sister, it could be your aunt, your uncle, um, to be able to pool your incomes together. Um, as I had mentioned, our two um, brothers, the clients before, uh, and I don't want to, obviously I won't disclose who they are, but they both, both of them made under 100,000 Jamaican dollars gross. And between um, their NHT and what we were able to, to approve them through, um, I don't know if I should call the bank's name, but I'll say it, Victoria Mutual, um, we were able to approve them for a $16 million mortgage. And it's, it's something that I want to, to stress um, to the younger folks, um, certainly under my age group in the, in the 40s, that it is possible. Um, you don't have to be a multimillionaire to invest in real estate. Um, you can start small. Um, and regardless of what you, you, you earn, um, the key is to start putting some money aside um, coming together with your your relatives and, and friends. Um, we got an application today and it's four relatives that are going to apply to, to buy a house. Um, <clears throat> so that is a good start for you. Um, yeah, and I mean, that, that is really where I would, you know, encourage people to get started. Um, don't, don't be worried about um, how much money you earn or, or how to start. Uh, the key is to just get in and if if there anybody out, if there's anybody out there um nht is also a great a great resource to to make your contributions to um and you know their terms and their rates are excellent and will really help to supplement you getting approved for a mortgage to, to buy a dream home sounds a lot like what i keep telling people with stocks i always said just start just start with whatever you have wherever you are Next question comes from Stronglink, and this is a very common question. He says, some argue that investing in the home where you live must not be viewed as an investment. So what are your views on that? Is the home that you live in, should that be considered an investment? Or is yes. it only an investment when it's bringing money in the door, like you're renting it, a rental property, for Strong, example? Stronglink, that is a very, very good question. It is something I myself um, have to struggle and battle with all the time, even in my own life. Um, the truth is, let, so let me break it down for you. Um, and he said his name is Strongling. Let, let me break it down for you. The reason why they say the home that you live in is not a good investment, which is not entirely true, because as you know, your, your parents, for example, or you yourself can invest in a property over 20, 30, 40 years. And as you pay off, the mortgage, you would ha have built up a greater value in your house, right? Um, so that you can leave that for your children or your grandchildren to come. So um, there, there is still value in owning a house and living in it. Now, on the flip side, the reason why investors um, and portfolio managers and that type of stuff will tell you that investing in real estate and not li living in it is a better way to invest is because a property will cost you money over time so you have 
land taxes that you have to pay out of your pocket. You have maintenance that you have to pay out of your pocket. Um, and, there, and there are a number of other things over time, you know, upgrades um, to the property that you will have to take out of your pocket. You do pay interest on a mortgage, so you are obviously not paying, if you're borrowing 20 million to buy a house, you're not paying back 20 million over 30 years, you're paying 60 million, right? Um, and if all of that is coming out of your own pocket, then it's not necessarily seen as, as a good of an investment. How it really becomes a great investment is when you rent the property, for example, uh, choose not to live in it, rent the property out, whether Airbnb or on a long-term lease, and you will then take that rental income to then pay all of those expenses. So if you think about it from that standpoint, um, you're using somebody else's money, which is called OPM, it's called other people's money, which is really and truly how wealthy people get wealthy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they take other people's money and have it pay for whatever debts that are assigned to that asset. So if you think about it, if you buy a house, not living it, somebody rented from you for 30 years, it's basically somebody else that would have been paying and doing all the maintenance for you over the 30 years. And then you would have had a property free and clear, not taking any money out of your pocket. So I, I can't say to, to your listeners, uh, Kalila, that owning a house and living in it is not a good investment, but owning a house and having it rented out and generating income for you is a better investment, if that makes any mm -hmm. sense. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Next question comes from Levar and Levar says, this sounds like a company for the future with Absolutely. a boom in real estate and technology. Are you looking to raise any capital to grow the business? It is so funny. You mentioned that. I'm sorry. I didn't get the person's name, um, but I was invited. If you guys can see this, and this is not a shameless plug for the stock exchange. I was invited to their um, uh, business conference today regarding raising capital um we we are my, my board and we have a, a working board of directors of you know quite you know distinguished um jamaican uh, business people uh, i won't bother go through the names but you know their their uh, mandate for me as the managing director and as and as the founder of the board is to really take the company to the next level um and truthfully kalila the next level which is what what's the next level is Next level is really looking uh, Caribbean-wide um, mm. because we've realized, and I don't want to give away too much of the secrets, but we can literally copy and paste and plug and play the same formula um, into, into the other islands. And we've started to, between many explore um, Barbados and um, have talks in St. Kitts and Nevis. And those islands are also very receptive to, you know, the banks and those types of players receptive to what we're bringing. Um, because again, it, it augments, it helps to, to augment what they are, are doing, you know, um, also. And the, the biggest push is that we are also focusing heavily on overseas uh, members of the diaspora uh, because they, they earn significantly more than we do for the most part um, and, and are always looking to reinvest home at home here in Jamaica. And I'm, I'm also Canadian, so I can tell you, that after living in Canada for, for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, um, people want to get out of the cold. So we actually have a little um, promotion that we're going to do in Toronto uh, the last week of October. I'll, I'll be going up um, to really hit on some of the Jamaican diaspora in the city of Toronto to look at and to consider investing in real estate in Jamaica, which takes me back to my original point of, of why the, the market is still very buoyant is because um, real estate prices here compared to a city like Toronto, for example, uh, real estate prices are still 
significantly lower than um, a city like Toronto. So, you know, if you're a homeowner in Canada, for example, and you have uh, have some equity up there or you have a good income, um, investing in Jamaica and real estate in Jamaica is a good option um, for you, in my opinion. Last question comes from the Embarker, and it relates to the one that I just asked you and kind of your answer as well. He says, or she, I would buy some shares in this company. Is linked to lenders listed on the junior market? So no, you're not listed yet, but you did hold up that flyer from the JSC. Are there any intentions to, uh, to list? Yes, yes. So that is the goal. Um, I don't want to give any specific timelines, but it is certainly the goal. And as I as I as I had, had mentioned before, I was also a stockbroker. So um, you know, the, the the stock exchange holds a special place in my heart. Um, and you know, I, I spoke to a gentleman by the a very nice gentleman today by the name of Cecil Foster, who is actually the owner of Fosterich, a great guy. Um, and he has shown us in terms of the value that going public on the stock exchange in Jamaica has brought to his business from being, a, and don't quote me on the figures, but a half a billion dollar company now to a two and a half billion dollar company in the last five years. So it is definitely something that we're going to look at um, achieving in the next maybe three to five years um, for, for us. All right. Well, we're definitely going to look out for that. And guys, you can check out the websites, link to lenders. It's link the number two, lenders with an s yes dot com link to lenders.com and real estate hub ja.com thank you so much jason wishing you much success with this venture thank you very much Kalila. and i don't think it's a hard sell i mean everybody who's heard about it they already love it all the viewers are interested so tonight's poll question is about the bernard lodge situation that I mentioned has been all over the news. It is a polarizing situation and we have seen comments from all kinds of people. Everybody seems to have an opinion on it. And you know what? It really is a situation that repeats like at least once a year, you hear something kind of in this range. So you hear about squatter settlements and, or unregularized settlements being demolished and people having to be resettled. You don't necessarily hear this angle of it where these people were sold land that didn't belong to them to begin with. That's that's kind of new. But we do hear about illegal settlements or squatter settlements. So the question tonight is, do you think the Bernard Lodge settlement should have been demolished? What's your take on it? So take our poll on YouTube or on Twitter. The link is in the description. And yes, the construction was illegal. Yes, but government should help them to relocate. No, it shouldn't have been demolished. These people paid for their homes or no. Government is to blame because they let it get this far. So these people should keep their homes. And of course, you also have the option to select other and you can leave a comment. Speaking of leaving a comment, let me also beg you, beg you a like no. Catch a like no. Catch a like a like. <laughs> Hit the like button right there on YouTube. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap. The JSE Combined Index lost over 3,000 points or almost 1% last week. 
128 stocks traded across the main and junior markets for the week ending Friday, October 7, 2022. 46 made gains, 71 lost value, and 11 stayed the same. 125 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, valued at $865 million. Fosrich was the week's most traded stock. It took up almost 22% of market volume, with people buying and selling 27 million shares in the company. The stock opened this week at $4.39. Spurtree Spices traded the second highest volume, with people buying and selling 9 million shares in the company. It opened this week at $3.66. And Trans-Jamaican Highway rounded out last week's most traded, taking up 7% of market volume with 9 million shares trading. The stock's price remained unchanged at $1.47. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the week. JMMB Group 7.25% was last week's biggest gainer. The stock was up 21% to open the new week at $3.20. T-Tech was the week's second biggest gainer, up almost 17%. The stock gained 43 cents to open this week at $2.99. And rounding out our biggest gains, Cargo Handlers is up 15% to open Monday at $13.34. On the losing side now, JMMB's 7% VRJMDCR preference shares was last week's biggest loser, down 19% to open Monday at $2.00. PBS 9.75% Cumulative Redeemable was last week's second biggest loser. The stock was down almost 15% to open Monday at $119. And rounding out the biggest losers was CAC 2000 9.5% Cumulative Redeemable Preference Shares. The stock fell 14%, closing the week at $1.01. Over on the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, the composite index was mostly flat last week. Massey was the most traded stock. It opened this week at $4.54 TT. First, Caribbean International Bank was the market's biggest gainer, up almost 8%, to open this week at $5.50 TT. And on the losing side, JMMB fell nearly 10%, to open the week at $2.01 TT. In the U.S., the Dow Jones gained 1.5% last week, while the S&P 500 gained almost 1%, and the Nasdaq remained mostly flat. Over at the pumps, motorists saw a slight increase as the prices of gas and diesel all rose by 25 cents. In foreign exchange, it took an average $154.15 Jamaican to purchase one U.S. dollar last Friday. That's $1.33 more than a week before. Meanwhile, it took an average $174.39 Jamaican to purchase one pound and $151.93 Jamaican to purchase one euro last Friday. And on the crypto markets, Bitcoin prices fell 4% in the past five days after 1% dip the week before. The cryptocurrency was trading at 19,338 US dollars on Monday. Ethereum fell another 2% in the past five days, trading at $1,314 on Monday. This segment of Taking Stock, the Analysts, is brought to you by Jamaica National Group. We'll help you find a way. Disclaimer. This is not intended as financial advice. Please consult a licensed financial advisor before making investment decisions. Welcome back. It's time now for the analysts. And first, let me take a few of your comments, starting with this one. Arch says that a lighting is getting out of hand now for real. Why, Arch? Because me say it. 
So know that I've said it is not cool anymore. Come on. <laughs> I think I caught the trend fairly early. You know, catch your stocks, I like, catch your hat, I like. <laughs> but yeah, when it when it starts reaching people like us, yeah, I think we, we kind of pass it. So uh, Chris Banton says, very informative, already sent the link to some of my friends to look into. So that's awesome. That was a really great discussion. But let's go to the analyst right now. I'm joined by Faye Samuels, who's Senior Research Analyst at JN Group. We also have with us business writer at The Observer newspaper, David Rose as well as Yuni Abdul. He's back all the way from Guyana. Welcome back, Yuni. He is a financial, uh, like, what, 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 what do you call yourself, Yuni? Financial <laughs> educator. Some <laughs> financial. dude, some dude. <laughs> some, dude on, some, dude, some dude on TikTok, yeah. <laughs> uh, personal finance and business analyst, Yuni Abdul. So before we dive into tonight's topic, though, we are actually going to start with a giveaway. And it's called Guess the Stock. Mm. And Faye, you have that giveaway for us. So take it away. Thank you, Kalila. Good night, everyone. We're going to do a Guess the Stock trivia right now. And the winner of this trivia will get a $5,000 gift certificate from JN Fund Managers towards the purchase of one of JN's mutual fund products. Okay, ready to go? Please share my screen. There we Can go. you see the screen yeah. now? Yes. Great. Okay, guess this stock. This company was incorporated in Jamaica in 1921. It is now a major player in Jamaica's entertainment ecosystem and is listed on the main market of the JSE. So please put your answers in the comments as quickly as possible. For the year ending June 30th, 2022, the company's revenue increased by over 500% as COVID-19 restrictions eased. Notwithstanding, its operations were fairly inefficient, resulting in a net loss for the period. And the last clue, the one-year price chart of this company's stock is depicted below. So we can see that at the close of business today, the stock was $750. And last year, 7th of October, 2021, it was $1,000.24. Do we have any answers? Yes, we do. We have quite a few <laughs> answers and we have somebody with the correct answer. This was so easy. You know what gave it away? 1921. There are not 1921. many companies that have been listed since 1921, which is why um, <laughs> Teddy Ann, who said main event is wrong. Incorporated, Kalila. Uh, who said main event also wrong. O'Shane, who said Margaritaville, <laughs> wrong. A lot of people said main event. Y'all never noticed it said 1921. Uh, some people said Grace Kennedy, somebody else said the lab, wrong, wrong, wrong. And also the stock price should have been a dead giveaway because not many companies trade at that high of a stock price. So the correct answer was actually given first by Al Swaby, who said Palace Amusement. Congratulations, Al. Uh, cheers go out to you. Yeah, rah, rah. Congratulations. Confetti is falling for you and... Faye, how can Al get his uh, his prize? Congrats, Al. You should send us an email at info at jnfunds.com and we will reach out to you on how to collect your certificate. All right, Al, I'm also going to encourage you to drop your email address in the comments so that not just anybody can email Faye and say, <laughs> me name Al. <laughs> so 
So <laughs> Faye, you can make a note of Al's email address once he writes it there in the comments so you know which email address to look out for. So the winner has been selected. Al, congratulations once again. And it's time for Faye because we're actually going to be talking about this company this evening, Palace Amusement. Their stock, their, um, what do you call it? Their, their report is now out, their latest earnings report. So give us the highlights from Palace. Thank you, Kalila. So we're going to start with the company's mission. Some extracts from the mission. To ensure that cinema remains a preferred option, and Palace Amusement has taken bold steps and is keeping pace in a technologically advanced world. Okay, so now we'll start by looking at the profit and loss, the extract from the profit and loss. So as we can see in 2019, they performed relatively well. That was pre-COVID, their revenues were over a billion, expenses were manageable, and they earned gross profits of 221, 551 million. Their gross margins were also positive, 19.10%. Following from that, we went into 2020, where COVID impacted us. The numbers remained positive into 2020 because their financial year ended in June. So for that year, they didn't feel the full brunt of the COVID impact. Revenues were still positive, expenses were still manageable, but gross margins went down quite a bit. Then as we went into 2021, we felt the full impact of COVID-19 restrictions, lockdowns, etc. Revenues plummeted. Expenses did not go down as much as revenues because naturally they would have to still maintain their staff and pay certain expenses. Gross profits became negative, negative net profits as well. As we went into 2020 this year, we see that not only the whole economy, but also Palace has started to come out of the COVID fog. Reve revenues have increased from 2021 to 2020, up by approximately 500%. The revenues that they've received from their film distribution throughout the Caribbean has also increased by approximately 154%. Nonetheless, costs skyrocketed. And that's expected because as they reopened, staff costs increased, operational costs increased, but their costs increased and they were even higher than their revenue. The efficiency ratio was down by 82%, 2021 to 2022. Staff costs went up by approximately 70%, film costs by over 500%. Cost of inventories recognized as expenses went up by about 446%. Nonetheless, there were improvements over the period as we can see that the net loss actually declined by 32% over the period from 2021 to 2022. So while the performance was negative, we see that there was some improvement. As we go into the balance sheet, we see that similar things happened in the balance sheet as the income statement. Assets, non-current assets, saw a slight decline from 2021 to 2022. However, current assets were up by approximately 350% to 406.7 billion. And this was driven by repo investments and cash inflows from loan proceeds that Palace received. There were also slight increases in receivables and inventories. 
Liabilities were also up by approximately 51%, impacted again by the loan that was taken out, and their lease liabilities, we expect those to decline further following from this year with the closure of the drive-through cinema. Palace took out a, a, a very large loan in 2021 and in 2022. The loan in 2022 was to repay the loan from 2021, and they also took out extra to improve working capital and to bolster their business. So we understand the reasons for that. So it's not as bad as it sounds. They basically use the, pro the loan proceeds to maintain business and to enable some amount of pivoting, for example, the drive-through following from COVID. Some of the funds were also invested. And if things normalize, we expect that proceeds from these investments can also assist them to repay some of the loans. So the loan was the most important thing, I think, from the balance sheet, and it's reflected throughout the balance sheet. Cash flows from operations also increased year over year from 2021 to 2022. Now, looking at the medium to long-term industry outlook for Palace. The decline in box office receipts is a global phenomenon. It's not just happening locally. We consider that the cinema industry is a mature industry. Worldwide, the industry was experiencing a boom in 2018 to 2019, and we can see that in PAL's 2019 results with the large revenues of over a billion. But then COVID hit, and you can also see that impact in PAL's 2020 to 2021 financials. But Palace was not alone. In the US, domestic box offices saw a decline in revenue from over 11 billion to less than 5 billion in 2022. Over 1,000 of the 4,000 plus screens in the US were closed over the COVID period. Similar things happening in Jamaica during lockdowns, all cinemas were closed. And even after permission was granted, some cinemas such as Cineplex in Sovereign, which was only opened in September, some cinemas remained closed. But the industry is coming back in 2022 and movie going sentiments are returning both locally and overseas. We expect that upcoming blockbusters such as Black Adam, Wakanda Forever and Avatar should be great at improving the industry's bottom lines and specifically Palace Amusements revenue streams. Indeed, we believe if there were more blockbusters, the business would fare much better. But locally, we don't have a lot of control over that aspect of the business. Other headwinds that we expect that will impact the industry include the fact that recent statistics show that the lowest age group attending the cinema was a 14 to 24 year old age group. And this is particularly worrisome for the industry's future outlook. These are the future moviegoers and the persons who expect mm -hmm. to spend the money when they go to the cinemas. The internet continues to impact the industry and not just through the fact that people can stream, but also because of the vast array of information and movie reviews which are out there, which sometimes dissuades moviegoers. The heavy investments by the streaming platforms over the COVID period is also troubling for the industry, as now there are deals between production houses and cinemas. Right. I'm sorry, between production houses and the streaming services. So now you can even see the movie instantly on HBO Max or Disney. Right. Those, those big blockbusters, some of them are going straight to Netflix now, straight to HBO, straight to, to streaming. Definitely. And these services are even now being offered locally to customers. So if you're an internet or a cable subscriber in Jamaica, 
there's a very good chance that you can bundle your package and get HBO Max or Disney Plus. You don't even have to try to go around and find it on the internet yourself. Improving technology and home theater systems, persons are not really encouraged to go. They can just stay home and have a comfortable experience. And as you know, after COVID, the entire entertainment sector reopened. So persons now have so many options other than the movies. They have so many distractions as well, even before COVID. Rather than spending a, a few hours locked up in a cinema, you can just do so many things. And something else that seems to plague us in Jamaica is what some may consider as poor customer service. Why go to the movies? It may be just easier to stay home. So also looking at the industry, at the future of the industry, we have to ask ourselves, what's so great about the movies? Palace has some great things to offer. For many persons locally, it is very nostalgic. Persons have memories of going to Caribbean 5 with their family. And so it's a place where you can consider to bring your family for wholesome family entertainment. And let's be honest, on the Jamaican entertainment landscape, where would we be without Palace Amusements? However, many persons have prophesied the end of this industry over the years from VHS to DVDs to now streaming with the multiple offerings. But nonetheless, the industry and Palace Amusement has managed to survive over the past 100 years, which says a lot about their resilience. So looking into the future, we realize that the industry does face significant challenges, as I mentioned, but they cannot rely on old sentiments or just cinema screens. We believe that a transition is required. Similar to when Caribbean 5 emerged from the fire in 1996, a rebirth may not be needed if they are to survive and thrive in the future. Some suggestions that we have for the company and the industry is to see them transition from not just being a cinema, but a full entertainment venture or maybe mm -hmm. a multi-entertainment brand offering customers a full entertainment experience in order to survive. We need heightened social experiences. For example, the traffic in Kingston since school has begun in September has been ridiculous. Why not be able to stop at a lounge or a bar or a restaurant before you catch a movie at Cairo 5 or Sovereign? Of course, they're cash-strapped, and so they may need to explore partnerships with other service providers to provide additional services at efficient prices. But we believe that with improved research and marketing, it is possible. They can first start with better promotion of the current specials that they have, the current discounts, the current movie nights, but they need to stay ahead of the market for now and be able to look into the future to see the opportunities before they even arrive. For example, recently we saw that Prices Online were petitioning for the, the Palace to show the BTS concert, but by the time Palace was made aware of it, it was too late to get the rights to broadcast. So we need marketers who can see these events and plan niche events and maybe revenues will improve from there. They can also think about showing live events, sporting events, or many other special events. Think about Game of Thrones. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to, to catch the finale at Caribbean? Mm -hmm. It sure would. They can also think about outdoor events, pop-up locations, especially since the drive-through has been closed. Uh, Sunday evening, watching a movie under the stars at Hope Gardens. But of course, improved customer service Sorry, improved experiences also required improved customer service. So there's that's somewhere where they can start right now. 
They can also consider focusing on local content creators and producers who oftentimes outside of the internet have no way to show their, their productions to, to the masses. They can also think about offering their own streaming services, which they did mention in previous reports, but I have not heard anything about that. Another option is tiered pricing. So for example, the big blockbusters coming out like Wakanda, you would have to pay premium tickets to see those movies, while other movies you can get at a regular discount. They've also mentioned the introduction of a mobile app, but we have not seen anything about that as well. All else phase, they may have to downsize and utilize some of their prime real estate locations owned by the company to generate some revenue. For example, BPOs are a growing sector that are willing to, play, to pay top dollar for prime central real estate. Ooh. We just have to think about pivoting and transitioning. But so sell crossroads to a BPO, as what you say? No, 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 not sell, <laughs> but you utilize some of the space. Rent, lease, utilize some of the space while still maintaining the experience for the rest of us who want to go to the movies. Okay, great analysis, Faye. I think you covered so many bases there and you made some excellent points. One of which that stood out to me was that the lowest viewership is among 14 to 24-year-olds, where we usually think about the movies as a place that young people go. You go, you, you go on your little dates and you take your date to the movie. Um, clearly, the, the young people aren't, aren't seeing movies as, as date night anymore. So that's worrying for the industry. They have evolved and grown up in a completely different culture of streaming now, where it's Netflix and chill. And that's the thing now. But you made some excellent suggestions as well, especially that one where you mentioned, you know, the traffic is 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 very bad. Wouldn't you love to just go to Palace and, you know, have your dinner first right there at the venue and then watch the movie uh, immediately after? That's a great idea. And I see some comments coming in from the viewers as well. Jay says it's high time that Palace explored becoming a production company. Their auditoriums could be hosting plays and local video productions to generate revenue during slow seasons. Uh, maybe not so much the production part, because that's a whole different capital investment, but the venue, yes, the venue could be a quite valuable asset for, for lease or rental. Art said, depends which Game of Thrones you're talking about. I think you mean House of the Dragon, right? That's out now. Um, Dravé says they could incorporate Jamaican actors and actresses and venture off into filming and script writing, start investing in Jamaican talent. So quite a few comments coming in on that analysis. Great job with that one, Faye. Let's move on to some big news that came out last week or the week before I, I saw this. And this has to do with somebody asked earlier uh, what IPOs are coming up. Well, there is an IPO that is expected before the end of the year. And it is A.S. Brydens. If that name sounds unfamiliar to you here in Jamaica, it should sound a little bit more familiar to those in Trinidad and Tobago. This is a company that was recently acquired by Seprod, Jamaican company Seprod that you know. And now they are going to list, well, Seprod is going to list it on both the JSC and the TTSC. David has our update. Uh, break it down for us, David. What's going on? Muted, David. Unmute. Oh, apologies. So, you recall back in June, uh, June 6th to be specific, where Separate had officially acquired the majority interest in AS Bradens and Son, AS Bradens and Son Holding Limited. And that's the parent company. 
for the three primary subsidiaries, which is AS Brighton and Sons Trinidad Limited, Brian PI Limited, and FT Farfan Limited. These businesses operate, you know, in Trinidad, Guyana, and Barbados. So the separate team in this case, meaning Richard Pandoe and the chairman PB Scott, sent us a memorandum to staff to say, hey, we're taking the company public. So they're actually offering staff the opportunity to actually purchase shares in the company through salary advances ahead of the company actually going public. So currently, Separate Limited, which is publicly sent to JSC, owns 60% of AS Brightings and Sun Holding, and other 40% is, you know, management team and other close partners. So the staff in AS Brightings, they're going to be able to get their shares before the public and getting a salary advance to pay for it. So it has to be like scrubbing to find cash. So they said, they to do an IPO, which is what we've heard recently as confirmed by Richard Vandoe. Uh, we're not sure, you know, what method will be done by, you know, in the extent that will AS Brightness actually raise additional cash or will it be the case where a party or even separate potentially sell shares and use that cash to fund some other venture. So we don't know what that part is in terms of the contribution as yet, but from what we can see so far, as the AS Brightness has, you know, done some spectacular work so far. So in Separad's second quarter, we Separad had a 100.49 million non-controlling interest, which was related to the AS Brightness acquisition. And when we calculated the actual net profit, that came out to about $251 million just for under one month of consolidation to separate group. So that kind of translates to you know, more than uh, $2.12 billion, sorry, $3.02 billion for the entire year. And separate balance sheet basically almost doubled. So from $45.7 billion to you know, the total assets to $78.07 billion. And we're also seeing where you know, AS Brightness equity base is around $6.43 billion. And you know, the, comp the combined company is going to be grossing over $500 million US in total revenues. And you know, Cypress is a one to be original carrier and platform. So the fact that Cypress actually is going to give this opportunity to us to actually own shares in the company does two things actually by listing, listing AS Brightens. One, it creates value for their ownership. So while they currently own AS Brightens, it's like it's a liquid ownership in a sense. If they want to sell shares, they have to find another buyer, they have to get other shareholders to approve. If it's actually listed, they could potentially, for example, sell shares uh, to finance something. They could you know, leverage those shares, you know, in case of a margin loan to actually additional capital. At the same time, it will also run the reach and, you know, public publicity related to AS Bryden. So uh, a while ago, uh, in that related segment, he mentioned Fosterich and Fosterich said, you know, they got an additional exposure and business because they're publicly listed. So all this is ties back into, you know, opportunity for separate shareholders and also AS Bryden staff, because the thing is, separate just might give a reserve pool for separate shareholders. And, you know, if it, to be a shareholder, has own one share. So that's just one thing. But let's say I should listen to JSC by the end of this year. Uh, we know that in a region to say they're planning to list, uh, there are a couple other firms that are said that they want to list. The JC said there should be four companies that should be expected to list before the end of this year, conservatively. But let's see what happens. But at least we know that AS Brighton and Sons holding 
is one company so far. Right. You know, what's interesting, and you started mentioning it just now as well, David, in Seprod's most recent earnings report, they, they noted that their growth would have been flat if not for the earnings of AS Brydens. So how is this going to work with Brydens being a separate listed company on Seprod? Would it be separate from Seprod or would it remain under the Seprod umbrella? So the thing is, it depends on what state they maintain and the definition of control with respect to their auditors. So this isn't a spin-off like in the case of Blue Power spinning off their lumber division as Lumber Depot Limited. They're, they're actually trying to list a subsidiary. We don't know, you know, because they currently own 60%. We don't know, you know, if they'll sell 10% and, you know, uh, somebody else will sell, will sell 10% or, you know, the company might raise 10%. We don't know what structure is going to be as yet, but uh, it is to be on separate books. We're, you know, it's like that the company is going to try and maintain the ability to consolidate the subsidiary, meaning that whatever they report, in this case, AS Bridens is putting a separate book directly as a subsidiary. So, you know, likely to have control of the board and potentially 50% stake. So there are some things that can play out, but even though it be listed, and it's still a different legal entity, it's still be under the whole separate group though still. Well, thanks so much for that update, David. And guys, when we know, you will know. Look out for the breaking money news. And of course, once the IPO alert drops, it's going to be right in your email. So make sure you are on the newsletter. Make sure you're subscribed. The link is right there in the description. Or you can just go to kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter to sign up for that uh, for breaking money news, IPO alerts. You get the emails directly to your inbox. Because sometimes you miss stuff on social media. I post a lot. So you might miss something. You might miss when I post the alert on social media. But if you're on the email, you will definitely see that email come to your inbox. So Yoni, you are up next. You're not talking about Guyana this time, but you are talking about oil because there is yeah. an oil price war between the U.S. and OPEC nations. And you've been tracking that. So what's going on there and what are the implications for us here in the Caribbean? Okay, so... Yes, OPEC, which is um, a producing exporting countries, right? It's uh, basically a combination of some of the major oil producers in the world and who are not, uh, one of their core, most popular core features is that they're not necessarily aligned to Western values, right? And don't share the same agenda, all right? So really, um, as well, they also control the amount of oil output um that happens and obviously with that control massive control of output um you know some on the estimates on the lower estimates is around 40 percent of oil total oil output in the world as high as um you know 55 almost 60 percent so they really as a collective can decide when to shut off the taps when to increase it and obviously that will change the price and um you got to think about it on their side these are massive oil producing nations, all right? So, and they pay pennies on the dollars for, for oil products, all right? Um, I've heard of, I, I've seen things like where um, uh, some people in Saudi Arabia pay like a couple, like $2 to fill up a whole land cruiser and craziness like that, right? So when they shut down the oil production and, it's, and the pr global prices go up, it still doesn't affect them. 
right? That that full tank of gas moves from two dollars to maybe three dollars <laughs> US. But on our side of the world, right, like in Jamaica and the Caribbean, all right, we end up paying quite a bit more, right? So they're filling with the tap influences us at a, on a grander scale. All right, so that, that that really contextualizes the kind of impact that we're going to receive on our end, right? Basically, the whole Western axis um, side of the world. With regards to the, the war that's going on between OPEC and the U.S., all right, you really got to think about the actual war that's taking place in Ukraine. It has a lot of implications there, all right? Remember... Um, Russia is a major oil producer. It's not part of the original OPEC, but it's part of the later group form called OPEC Plus, all right, um, who are some additional players that came in, um, you know, as the years would have gone by. Um, so they made a decision to slash oil production um, uh, by 2%, right, um, which is about 2 million barrels. And that really can um, drive up the price of oil. I think for every 1 million barrels of oil production cut, we add an additional $20 to the um, Brent crude oil price. All right. So um, if you slash it by 2%, and I think a barrel of oil is around $80, a barrel of oil is now going to go up to $100 within the next, coming, uh, next few weeks. All right. Now, what does that mean for Russia? Russia is selling oil. It's not selling oil to the Western powers anymore. Because Wait, of hold on. Did you just say a barrel of oil is going to $120 in the next few weeks? Yes. Every 1% of oil production that OPEC cuts translates to a $20 increase in the barrel of oil. So if you cut 2%, we add in fart on top of the 80. All right. So we might, we might go around a support level of 100, 120. Um, so that's what's coming. So Has what does this mean? Been for... that high? Uh, it's been high. Yeah, I think um, back in yeah, it, it's been high before. I can't really pinpoint exactly when in the past, but in the quite recent past, it's 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 been that high. Um, but of course, that was just all part of the variation and 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 you know the little tit, tidbit war between OPEC and and the, and the Western powers, but. The increase in price now has a very serious implication because of what's taking place in Ukraine and the war. Russia benefits from those increased prices, right? They're no longer selling to the Western world because of the sanctions. But guess who's taking all their oil? India, China, all right? Some of the other um, countries aligned with them, they're still taking the oil. So Russia's still making revenue from oil production, even though they've um, blockaded the oil on the Western side of the world, right? Like most of Europe, of course, uh, um, the U.S. and so. So what does that mean? Russia has more money now to continue funding their war against Ukraine. Wow. And that is what is making the West so angry because they thought they would have blockaded and sanctioned Russian exports of oil. All right. And, um, and look what OPEC going to do. They increase the, the price so Russia can make more money. I'm, I'm not sure that's why they did it. The reason why OPEC chose to do this now is not exactly clear. They, I think they put out a very diplomatic, vague statement. Um, but obviously, a lot of rusing took place. That's my personal opinion. Joe Biden went to Saudi Arabia a few months ago, if you guys remember, and he begged um, MBS, right, who's the prince of Saudi Arabia, that young guy, to please increase oil, um, increase our production, and MBS said no. 
plain and simple, you know. So these things are really angering uh, the U.S. Um, so we, I think, I think it it, they, it was discussed in the Senate, one of the Senate Foreign Senate committees, um, like a day or two ago. So I'm, I'm, we're really going to see in the next coming weeks what the official actions are going to be against those OPEC countries. Um, just one side note I'd like to add. Um, Russia is one of the major suppliers of oil to Europe. And because of the sanctions, especially to Germany through the Nord Stream pipelines, but because of the sanctions, right, um, those supplies have been cut. But guess what's happening in Europe? It's going to be a cold winter. I think you guys would have heard about it. Um, the only oil producers we have in Europe here are basically Norway and England. All right. And they cannot produce enough oil to meet the demands of Europe. That is why Nord Stream was put in the first place. All right. Um, and that really begs the question that really brings up the question of energy security and energy independence, because Russia has weaponized the oil against Europe, the same Europe that has placed sanctions on Russia. And they're going to um, you know, we're not going to get any oil. We're not going to be able to heat our homes for winter. All right. Um, you know, I think in Netherlands or Switzerland, it's illegal to put your thermostat above 19 degrees Celsius. You're like actually going to get jail time for that. So a lot of crazy things are happening. <laughs> and um, just one more thing. Uh, a lot of people are now laughing at Europe and the European Union for going so harsh or, or going so strictly ahead with their environmental agenda, which I actually agree with. I think the future is like, you know, green energy, clean energy. But at what expense? Germany, cut, Germany and France um, cut down all their nuclear reactors. So we don't have we don't have that as support. All right. Um, you know, so the only non-renewable we were getting really was from Russia. That's gone. So where is our energy going to come from? You know, the environmental push cut off the nuclear reactors. Solar panels won't do it. I think the only saving grace is to get oil production from other countries like Guyana. Right. <laughs> I knew that was coming because I, like, yeah. like, I was out there thinking the way how Guyana moving on a soon end up part of OPEC or at least OPEC plus with <laughs> the level uh, of production that you're coming with. Well, you know, ExxonMobil controls the whole, basically most of the oil production in the US, um, in Guyana. So we're, we're pumping as much oil as possible um, in alignment with those Western desires, you know, for better or for worse. Um, so yeah, so Europe is going to have to find oil from other places. I think they're also trying to get a lot of imports of LNG, liquefied natural gas. In the you know, it's like these ships with these like little semicircle bunkers. So we can you can get those from Trinidad. You can get this from um, I think a lot of the some of the North African countries, some of the Mediterranean countries are exporting LNG now to Europe right. to try it's and. It's a byproduct of of yeah. the oil production process. We actually use a lot of LNG here in Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kalila, uh, to just add to that, you know, it's a very delicate and, and, you know, complicated game of chess at this point because the thing is, Venezuela and Iran can't enter the whole discussion with oil because of U.S. sanctions. And, you know, as even today you saw in the Gleaner, for example, where, where they were talking about, you know, the impact of high energy prices on the manufacturers and so forth. And, you know, we are in a Kind of limbo with Venezuela when you see benefit from Petro Caribe, and then on the same breath, as one is pointing out, although you know Europe is saying you know everything is good, you know we can do the Russian oil. I saw today that in France they're actually rationing gas, and you know 
in Germany, their inflation is like at four levels as well, like 10%. So the reality is uh, this whole oil war, you know, it, it, it's a big uh, political game because at the end of the day, uh, you have countries like, for example, Trinidad, which had a massive windfall thanks to the high oil prices which they put towards their heritage and stabilization fund. And, you know, other countries which are benefiting from these elevated oil prices, one is elevated because it boosts their reserves, it gives them some provisions to cover their citizens from, you know, any increase in cost of living. So it's a big political game at chess. But as, you know, our good friend here said a while ago, uh, pushing for green energy really wasn't the best decision. And, you know, it's coming back to back them right now because although, you know, he mentioned LNG, the, the problem is that infrastructure isn't there either. So the ability to supply via production is one thing, but the ability to actually use it and receive it is the other caveat. So when it comes to LNG, you have to actually regasify it at a gasification facility. And, you know, you have other you have countries in Europe, for example, which just don't have access to, you know, like a port where they can actually import gas from. Uh, and, you know, you can't just transport, like, for example, oil and other products or commodities uh, just by a ship to an extent. That's within pipelines that actually secure and take time to build out over time. So mm. Europe is kind of in this tight bind. And we saw today where the IMF reduced our global economic growth outlook for 2023. Like, I think it was like 3% something. And so 2.5% and 2.7% now. So all this is just going to impact global growth and, you know, potentially indirectly Jamaica to an extent with their external trading partners. Yeah. Thanks, David. Thanks, Uni. Thanks, Faye. Great show. Great points raised by all of you as well. And let me just take a couple of comments here from the audience. Chantel says, come to Guyana, Mr. Europe. Can't wait for an IPO for one of those Guyanese oil companies to drop, you see. Well, Chantel, they're already listed because it's Exxon Mobil, but they're listed on the uh, I don't know which stock exchange in the United States, but look it up. S&P 500 or one of them. I, I'm not sure which one, but they are listed. If you want to invest in Guyana oil, just remember it's the American companies that own the uh, the means of production. So if you're interested in that, uh, look for those companies that are listed already on international stock exchanges. Arch says pushing for green energy is clearly the best decision considering the recent weaponizing of gas. And Kadir says America is the world's biggest oil producer and seller. We're going to leave this segment right there. Uh, and then we'll come back with a few final comments. This segment of Taking Stock, the Analysts was brought to you by Jamaica National Group. We'll help you find a way. Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit kalilareynolds.com store to order your t-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this money. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That's our show for this week. Final comment comes from, who is it? I had it start earlier. Oh, it was Kevon. Kevon said, Kalila, I love your show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you every weekend reminding you guys again to hit the like button if you haven't done so just yet. Let other people know that you like this video. Share it with a friend. Share it on WhatsApp. Share it on email. If you get our newsletter, forward the newsletter to your friends. I saw a comment from Orville saying that he stopped getting the newsletter four to five months now and he doesn't know what happened. Orville, 
I don't know what happened either. Maybe it's your settings. Maybe your filters are sending us to spam or it's not going straight to your email. Maybe check your promotions folder. Um, what I would encourage you to do is to search your email for Kalila Reynolds Media or just for my name. Once it comes up, go to your settings and add us to your contacts list. That way it always comes to your inbox. We're also going to check it on our end. So Sashel, our producer for tonight, also runs our email. So Sashel, I'm going to ask you to just look into that for us. Check Orville's name. Make sure he's still on the email list. We don't typically remove people from our list. So I don't think that is the problem, but just double check for us. And Orville, I would encourage you to just add us to your contacts list. That way it's not filtered away to your spam. So like I was saying, share this video with a friend, subscribe to the newsletter at kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter. And reminding you that email subscribers get a copy of my free broker guide. Also turn on the post notifications so you can be the first to see everything that drops on the channel. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get the money together. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Kalila Ray and follow KRM underscore business news on Instagram. Remember, those are my only accounts. I don't have any backup accounts, scammer stuff going on. That's just the way it is right now. If you want to connect with the analysts this week, check the description box below for their contact information. And you can visit our website, kalilareynolds.com for financial information you can use however you like it. Watch, listen, or read. Yes, we do have a podcast version on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Audible. We're all over the place. Now tell a friend about taking stock. Investing is the new sexy, so let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Thanks for watching and see you next time. Let's get this money. <laughs>